Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. I want to thank the Summer Choir for their gorgeous music last week and this week. It's been a joy for me to preach last Sunday morning and this Sunday morning. Jeff O'Grady, your pastor, and I are longtime friends. We have a deep association through both of us being graduates and of serving Princeton Theological Seminary, and it's an honor to be back in this pulpit today. As you know, this summer, Jeff and the other members of the pastoral staff, Jan and others, are preaching about building our life on solid ground, not on shifting sand. And we're looking at characters who really took a step of faith. And today we look at a character of Ananias. And in this great scripture for today, so often people focus on the conversion of Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, as we just heard in the children's sermon. But I would like to shine the light today not on Saul and Paul, but actually on Ananias, who was a key figure in this story, without whom God couldn't have really led Saul to know Jesus Christ, or he chose to lead Saul to know Jesus Christ through Ananias. And he's a pivotal figure in human history that we often forget. Listen for the word of God from Acts chapter 9. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might retain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we didn't come to hear a human word or a human voice or a human opinion. We really came today to hear a word from you. I pray to that end that you would pour through me the gift of preaching, that these words might not simply be my human words or human opinions, but by a miracle of your grace, these words might become your living word to us. And we know they will, O God, for we pray with anticipation. And we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. 
If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? It was not long ago that I had the privilege of preaching in an African-American church named Church of the Master in Atlanta, Georgia. Frankly, that particular Sunday, I was the only Caucasian person in that place, and I led the worship service along with their pastor, Paul Roberts. We had a wonderful worship service. The music was great. The liturgy was terrific. I preached the best sermon that I could, and, and everything was going really well. And after the service, I greeted people at the door, and two African-American women came out, and they looked at me, and they were giggling and laughing, and the one said to me, um, Brother, I owe you an apology. And I thought, well, why did you show me an apology? And, and the other woman said, you're not going to tell him what you said about him, are you? And I braced myself for what I might be about to hear. And the, the, the woman said to me, well, I don't know how to tell you this, but have you ever heard of the movie White Men Can't Jump? And I said, well, yes, I've actually seen that movie. She said, well, when you walked down the aisle with our pastor, I said to my friend here, oh, no. We're about to have a white boy preach the sermon here, and we all know white men can't preach. And she said, actually, the last time we had a Caucasian man preach a sermon in this congregation, we had to cry out right in the middle of the sermon, help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus. But we didn't have to do that with you preaching today. And I said, well, thank God for that. She said, but I've got to ask you a question. I said, sure, ask me whatever you want. She said, I know you went to Princeton Seminary, and I know you're a Presbyterian. But are you sure you don't have a little African-American black Baptist blood in you somewhere? <laughs> now listen again to Jesus' words. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is not healthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? This morning, God wants every one of us here at San Marino Community Presbyterian Church to have healthy eyes. But in order to have a healthy eye, we've got to have a corrective lens. God is issuing to us, therefore, this morning, kingdom of God glasses, so we will start to see life from God's point of view. We will start to see people through God's eyes. We will start to see the situations of our life through God's eyes. We'll actually see through people to who they could become. But in order to do that, we've got to wear these kingdom of God glasses. Now, be very sure, kingdom of God glasses are not rose-colored glasses. Kingdom of God glasses help you see life through the eyes of God, not from our own human perspective. And when you see life through the eyes of God, your heart may start to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. See, I think this is what happened to President Abraham Lincoln when he was elected president of the United States in 1860. Lincoln did not have rose-colored glasses on. I believe he put on kingdom of God glasses so he could see slavery for the sinful state that it was. He could see the divisions in our nation for what they were. And he put on kingdom of God glasses and he started to see our nation not from one political point of view, but he started to see our nation actually from the point of view of Almighty God and he didn't like what he saw, and he started to see life through God's eyes, and he started to change things, and that's why he did this phenomenal thing. He chose people for his cabinet 
from different political parties, not all Republicans, as many people do, not, but members of the Democratic Party and the Whig Party as well. And he chose his three chief rivals for the Republican nomination, William Seward of New York, Simon Chase of Ohio, Edward Bates of Missouri. He chose them for members of his cabinet. When Joseph Medill of the Chicago Tribune interviewed Lincoln and said, Mr. President, with all respect, why would you choose your political enemies to be in your cabinet, those closest to you, your closest advisor, why would you choose your enemies to join your cabinet? Lincoln said, I didn't want to deprive our nation of the most gifted and brilliant minds and most gifted and brilliant leaders just because of a few political disagreements. Now, where did Lincoln get an idea like that? Did it come from his mind or his heart or his soul? I believe it came from his eyes. He saw through these other leaders, these diverse leaders, to who they could become and how they could serve our nation. And Lincoln didn't see them as enemies. He saw them as people who were great leadership people. And the conciliators in that cabinet became a good influence on the hardliners, and the hardliners became a good influence on the conciliators, and it was not only one of the most unusual cabinets in history, Doris Kearns Goodwin says in her book, Team of Rivals, it was one of the most effective cabinets in human history, because Lincoln was wearing kingdom of God glasses. He could see through people to their potential and what they had to give our nation, and we know Lincoln put on kingdom of God glasses because the story is told of the night he was pacing by the fire during the Civil War, drinking coffee, trying to make sense of the war and what he could do to stop it and to try to figure this whole thing out. As he was pacing by the fire, one of his aides, a young man said, Mr. President, why are you so worried? Don't you think God is on our side? And Lincoln said, son, that's not what worries me. What worries me is, are we on God's side? Be very sure when you have a, a narrow point of view, a, a, a closed eye, an unhealthy eye, it's an eye that is closed and narrow as opposed to a, a healthy eye, which is a generous eye. The etymology is helpful here to see the generous eye. Lincoln realized that he needed not just one point of view. He needed the big picture. He needed all these different political opinions around him. Madeline Langle, the author, says, people have a point of view, but God has view. And as Lincoln started to see the big picture of how he could end slavery, how he could unite our nation, he started to look at life through kingdom of God glasses. Now, where do you in your life need kingdom of God glasses? Where do I need kingdom of God glasses? I wish it were possible for me to take a walk with every one of you around the beautiful grounds of the San Marino Church today, or to go up to the, the Starbucks coffee shop up on Huntington Avenue there, and we'd have a cup of coffee and talk about where do you need, where do I need kingdom of God glasses? Where is there a relationship in your life that isn't quite right? with a family member, with a colleague at the office, with a neighbor, with somebody who just rubs you the wrong way and you need to give them the benefit of the doubt and look at them with a healthy eye, a, a generous eye, an open eye, rather than an unhealthy eye, a closed eye, a, a narrow eye, a grudging eye, an eye that prejudges someone or something. Where do you need the open eye, the healthy eye? Jan Cook and all the people going to Malawi are going to need Kingdom of God glasses so they can look at life through a healthy eye. 
As they look at the people of Malawi, they are not only going to give a lot to the people of Malawi, they are going to learn a lot from the people of Malawi. They are actually going to go there and they're going to receive as well as give, but they've all got to look at one another with kingdom of God glasses so we don't prejudge one another and stereotype one another. Oh, how I wish Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade could have looked at themselves through kingdom of God glasses. You know, Jesus said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is not healthy, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And sadly, when Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade looked at their own life through the lens of depression and despair, the light in their eye was darkness, and their focus was on how bad things were, and they ended up taking their life a few weeks ago. We've all read about it on the internet and in the newspaper, but it was such a tragedy, such a sadness, that they didn't see themselves as children of God. They needed to look at themselves through kingdom of God glasses and see that they're children and cherished, cherished of God. Is there anybody here today who needs to see someone in your life through kingdom of God glasses or to see yourself through kingdom of God glasses? Well, Ananias needed kingdom of God glasses big time. Ananias got an assignment from God that was way beyond his ability to do it. Ananias was the leader of the church of Damascus, 140 miles north of Jerusalem. Ananias knew that Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the Christians. He knew that Saul wanted to eliminate the Christian church from the face of the earth. And so he had prejudged him. He had, he had looked at him with an unhealthy eye. And he realized he was going to destroy people from the church in Damascus. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest people who were Christians and maybe even kill people who were Christians. And Ananias knew that he was on top of Saul's list for persecution and maybe execution. And he got there when Saul got to Damascus, as you know the story, we've heard it in the children's chat. Saul got close to Damascus, and when you go near Damascus, and I've actually been on that road from Jerusalem to Damascus, when you get near Damascus, the mountains get high and the valleys get low and the cold air meets the hot air and there's often storms and thunderstorms. It occurs so often and I always have thought that maybe there was a big thunderstorm and a big downpour of rain in the midst of the thunderstorm. Saul, who was feeling guilty about persecuting Christians, particularly about Stephen, the martyr, whose death he was condoning. I've always thought that maybe Saul had all that guilt running through his mind. And as the storm clouds went and as the thunder clapped and rolled, I have a feeling that Saul felt in his own soul that he heard the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And Saul was blinded and he goes into Damascus, not with a fury to arrest the Christians. He's got to be led in by the hand to Damascus. Isn't that interesting? He's led in by the hand to Damascus. He can't see, he can't do anything. And then Ananias hears this voice from God, go to Saul of Tarsus, who's been persecuting the Christians. Go to him and lay your hands on him. And Ananias doesn't respond well to this nudging from the Lord. He doesn't respond well to this because he wants to say to God, are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you thinking, God? I mean, why would you lead me to go to Saul? I mean, he's a persecutor of Christians. He's enemy number one. But here's the most interesting thing. As Ananias is telling God why he doesn't want to go and why he doesn't think God should have him go, 
God issues a pair of kingdom of God glasses prescription for him to put on. And when Ananias puts on those kingdom of God glasses and start to see Saul through God's point of view rather than his own point of view, all of a sudden he realizes God's got a bigger purpose for Saul than I ever realized. I saw him as a persecutor of Christians. But God said to Ananias, Saul is my chosen instrument to bring my name before kings and princes and the Gentiles. Anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And the Jewish community, he's my chosen instrument. He's going to be the great evangelist of the early church. And Ananias had his mind changed because he saw Saul differently. Here are the four words in the text that I think are amazing. The first two words are, Ananias went... Have you ever gotten a nudge from God to do something, but you didn't want to do it? Have you ever had a little nudge, you had to write somebody a note or call somebody and, or do something for someone, do something nice for somebody, take a meal over to them, and you, and you knew it was the right thing to do, but you didn't want to do it, and you didn't do it, you ignored that nudge. Ananias went. It's amazing. And the other two words that I think are amazing are Brother Saul. Ananias was afraid of Saul. Ananias knew that Saul wanted to kill him and arrest him. And yet he calls him a name that Saul doesn't deserve. Brother Saul. And here's what's interesting. You know what the name Ananias means? God is gracious. Ananias saw Saul through kingdom of God glasses. He sought him through the divine view rather than his own limited point of view. And Ananias became a new person. He laid his hands on Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who talked to you on the road to Damascus, he sent me to you and something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. His sight was restored, he was baptized, and he became the great evangelist of the early church, probably the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. Now here's what's interesting. We always focus on Saul, who became Paul. But we don't realize that somewhere out there working was Ananias, that God was working on Ananias to help him see Saul through kingdom of God glasses so that Saul could actually become a Christian and be a follower of Jesus. Where do you need, where do I need to put on kingdom of God glasses to see our role as servants of God as bigger than we thought? Be very sure if you start to look at life through kingdom of God glasses, you may start to see through people to who they can become. I mean, this happened to me when I was a pastor in New York City at a church called Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in Midtown Manhattan. And our church faced a challenge that homeless people were sleeping on our steps. And we saw this as a challenge, as a problem. We didn't know what to do. And the police's solution was they came and they swept the streets and they, they got rid of the homeless people. And for many months, we looked at the homeless people as, as the homeless. And we looked at them as a nuisance and we didn't know what to do about them. We didn't know how to, how to see them through healthy eyes. And one night at a session meeting, one of our elders was uncomfortable. The police were sweeping them down the streets and... She, she didn't know what to do about it. And we didn't know what to do about it. We were uncomfortable with it too, but we didn't know what to do. And this woman named Margaret, one of our elders, said, I think I'm going to go out after the session meeting. I'm going to get to know the homeless. And one of our other elders said, but how are you going to do that? I mean, they're homeless people. And, and she said, well, I don't know. I'm going to go up to them and I'm going to say, hi, my name is Margaret. What's your name? You know, what a concept. So she went out and she interviewed, introduced herself, said, hi, I'm Margaret, what's your name? And 
And I went out with her, and other elders went out with her, and other staff members with her, and we actually met homeless people and realized they had names. They weren't the homeless. We were looking at them through a, through a narrow eye, through an unhealthy eye, and suddenly we saw them through a healthy eye. We realized they're people with names and futures and backgrounds and dreams and families. Many of them were college educated. Some of them had doctoral degrees. Some of them were lawyers and, and doctors, but they just gotten on a patch of bad luck or gotten into drug addiction, and suddenly we saw them through a whole new set of eyes, and it was amazing what started to happen there. So we asked them, well, you know, it's gonna be getting cold soon. What do you need in the winter? And they said, well, we need blankets and we need warm socks and we need caps. And so we started to give them that and several people asked us for Bibles. I was passing out Bibles one night and I came to a man named Joe who was a really nice homeless man. And I said to Joe, would you like a Bible? He said, no, no, I've read the Bible. I don't need another Bible. I said, well, Joe, you don't want a Bible? He said, no, I read the Bible. I don't like it. I'm never gonna read it again. I said, well, Joe, why aren't you going to read the Bible? He said, because everybody in the Bible is perfect, perfect, perfect. They never make a mistake. They're all goody two-shoes. Well, that's when I realized Joe had never read the Bible. So I, I gave Joe a Bible. It was an alcoholics and drug addicts Bible, and I handed him the Bible. And he, he never knew what to call me, Doc or Rev or Father. And I said, well, call me Tom. He said, no. He said, Doc, what should I be reading? I said, well, read Genesis. Start at the beginning. And he started to read Genesis, and I knew he liked it. I knew he read it, because he came up and he said, Doc, this is the greatest book I've ever read. I said, why do you say that? He said, well, these are stories of murderers, adulterers, thieves. These are my kind of people. <laughs> so after that, I, I said to Joe, uh, why don't you come to church? And I noticed Joe starting to sit out among the pews with other parishioners. And then I noticed Joe coming forward one night for communion, and I saw Joe soften toward God. He'd been on the streets of New York City for 11 years. He came up to receive communion from me by intention, and I was holding a loaf of bread, and I was about to say, Joe, this is the body of Christ broken for you, and Joe whispers to me, skip me, skip me, skip me. I said, why should I skip you? He said, just skip me. I said, why should I skip you? He said, because I'm not worthy of this, that's why. I said, Joe, I'm not worthy of it either, that's the point. He said, yeah, but God's got a list of sins I've committed a mile long. I said, God's got a list of sins I've committed in my long too. He said, yeah, you don't know how bad I've been. I said, and you don't know how bad I've been. I said, Joe, the point of this communion is, and I had the, this loaf of bread in my hands. I said, the point of communion is God has ripped up both of our lists and his eyes got big. He said, what do you mean? I said, God on the cross through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has ripped up your list and my list. So, so Joe, what if you serve me the body of Christ, symbolic that God ripped up my list, and, and I give you the bread, the body of Christ, symbolic that God's ripped up your list? And he said, Father, is that legal? I said, yes, it is, my son. <laughs> and there at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City, I didn't look at Joe as a homeless guy, and he didn't look at me as a pastor. We looked at each other through kingdom of God glasses so that we saw God's view. We saw the big picture of one another. We saw each other as two human beings, two sinners at the foot of the cross receiving God's grace. Now here's the miracle of this story. When our church was interviewing to look at directors for our homeless ministry, we interviewed pastors, seminary graduates, psychologists, social workers, people with social, sociology degrees, and you know who we hired? We hired Joe Videla. He became director of homeless ministries 
because we saw through him, we looked at him with kingdom of God glasses and saw who we could become, like God saw Saul at a bigger purpose for Saul. So we saw Joe at a bigger purpose for him, and we realized if somebody took a chance on Joe, he could become a phenomenal human being, and he did become a great leader of homeless ministries. And do you know that he knew all the games that homeless people play? He had been incarcerated. He knew what it was like to eat out of garbage cans. He knew what it was like not to have a bath for some years. He'd had showers, but never a bath. And he knew the pain of homelessness, and none of us really knew it. He knew it existentially and personally. Be very sure God always sees through us to who we can become. And in God's economy, no experience we've ever had Note this, is ever wasted. All the things God did through Joe in his early life, all the mistakes that he made came to fruition when Joe became our director of homeless ministries. So San Marino Presbyterian Church, I ask you today, where is God asking you and me to see life, to see people with kingdom of God glasses, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy and your focus is healthy, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is not healthy, your whole body is full of darkness. So San Marino, God has issued us a pair of kingdom of God glasses. The question is, will we put them on? Because if we put them on, fasten your seatbelts and get ready. Because God may allow you to see through people and see through situations to see the face of Jesus. And that changes everything. It might just change us.